Hello, everybody. Welcome to Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. We are broadcasting from the Badlands of Texas all the way around the world, from southern Australia all the way up to northern Ireland. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, friends? Welcome, friends. What do you have to talk about tonight? Well, let me see. Uh, I believe I, I'm going to... Let me adjust this real quick. There we go. Uh, let's talk about some, 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 some Campbell's home cooking soup. There's not a lot of you that... Well, maybe there are. You still remember that commercial? Do you remember that commercial? That doesn't have a damn thing to do with what we're talking about tonight. The first thing I want to talk about is the Dalai Lama. What's going on with the Dalai Lama right now? Well, it's actually not right now. It happened in February. But the video here in the past 48 hours has leaked, crept out on the social media on the Internet. And people are going bananas of, about it. I want to show the video to you, see what you think. It is cleared to play on the tubes, so we're going to check it out right now. You tell me what you think on the flip side of this. You want to hear what they're saying? <laughs> a lot of people call this video grooming. Let me know what you think. Now, the first thing that happened is the kid kissed the Dalai Lama on the cheek, and then he said the Dalai Lama wanted a kiss on the lips, and then he wanted the kid to suck his tongue, and then they touched tongues. Here's the video right here. I'm seeing the lust in his eyes right here. All right, and that's guess what happened. All right, if you guys want to see more of this video, although it's blocked out, uh, you can see it on. I did a short about it. I think this is disgusting. Now, there have been some people taking the defense of the Dalai Lama saying that. He likes to joke around, but I don't think touching tongues with a little kid is uh, joking around. Let me put this in perspective. What if this wasn't the Dalai Lama? What if it was, I don't know, uh, Santa Claus, and he's sitting on Santa's lap, and Santa slips him the tongue? I don't find this appropriate at all. What if your, your uh, Easter just happened? What if you take your kid to the... Uh, to see the Easter Bunny at the old mall, and the old Easter Bunny gets a little bit fresh. Now, I'm not trying to compare the Dalai Lama to a fictional um, character like that, but if it's wrong for a fictional character, how much more is it wrong for the Dalai Lama? All right, so maybe some of us just need to look at things, put things in perspective. Um let me see what the chat room is saying about this. I don't know. Maybe you guys think it's okay. Let me look. I don't know. Lady Lisa, that's sick. Save the children. My question is, is this a bad translation or a cultural thing? There's some people, uh, it, it is not a cultural thing. Uh, thousands of years ago in China, you know, they used to stick tongues out as a form of greeting. Looked it up. It's not cultural. Although some people are, I knew some people would say it was. It's not, not making excuses, but trying to understand. That's six, say the children. Hello, Jerry. All right, so. I'm confused. Why do they say suck tongues? Because the Dalai Lama said, suck my tongue. He said it with his own words. Who's the Dalai Lama? What do we know about this guy? Let's put this in perspective. I will be opening up the phone lines. 
in the second half of the show. Let's see if I can edge that on there. Second half of the show, open up phone lines uh, so we can have a conversation. But until then, until I open up the phone lines, you are more than welcome to call right now, put in a voicemail message, and I will play it as soon as we start. Let's do that. How about that? So if you have something to say about the Dalai Lama and the whole tongue thing, then you can say it while it's still fresh in your mind. Who is the Dalai Lama and why is he seen as important and what other controversies have engulfed him? The controversial video which emerged of the Dalai Lama kissing a boy is not the first time the prominent figure has been involved in controversy. The recent video emerged from a charity event he was attending in India in February 2023, the same year. From the most recent video to previously saying a female successor would need to be very attractive. He has been involved in an increasing number of problematic incidents in the recent years. Now, um, I don't think... These two things relate. Let's read this again. One of the the earlier things does seem like a joke. They said, well, what if a female, if you have a female successor, and he said, well, she'd have to be very attractive not to take away from females, and saying, well, well, she'd have to be hot, but saying as a joke, well, look at how attractive I am. I understand that as being a joke, and have telling a kid to kiss your tongue and touching tongues with him is not a joke, it is not cultural for those of you that are trying to seek meaning. But what are the, some of the other incidents? But did the Dalai Lama kiss a boy? What other controversies has the Dalai Lama been involved in? So here's more of it. See? Ah. Now, the Dalai Lama is a title given by people of, the, of Tibet to the most prominent leader of the Yellow Hat School of Tibetan Buddhism. So, the way they're presenting it is he's not like a living deity. He is like the head of that religion or the holiest person in that religion, if you will, or a direct representative between them and the holy and uh, he's also seen as an important status for Tibetan independence. And why? Because he currently lives as a refugee in India, having fled the Tibetan capital during the 1959 Tibetan uprising. He's, uh, he's getting up there in age, huh? All right. Now, he won the 1989 Nobel Peace Prize, and he was a subject of great interest around the globe after he did that. He's not the only one to have won a, a peace prize. Hell, I think they even gave one to Obama. However, the deluge of invitations to meet with world leaders and Hollywood stars has slowed partly because of the aging leaders cut back on his travel, except for uh, Richard Gere, apparently. Beijing accused him of wanting to split China, so you've heard some of this before. Now let's go back to the current controversy, shall we? Did he kiss a boy? You guys seen the video. You guys saw the video. Now he issued an apology after an unsettling video appeared on social media, it's the one we played, in which he kissed a young Indian boy on the lips before asking him to suck his tongue. He said that. Uh, footage of the uncomfortable incident showed the moment the Tibetan spiritual leader invited the boy on stage during a charity event at his temple in India in February 2023. 
In the video, the boy asks the Dalai Lama, can I hug you? In which he responds, okay, come. The spiritual leader first asks the boy to kiss him on the cheek before pointing at his lips. He holds the boy's face as they briefly kiss. Then the pair press their foreheads together. Just as the boy goes to pull away, the Dalai Lama instructs him and suck my tongue, prompting him to slowly inch forward towards the 87-year-old man's outstretched tongue. What did the Dalai Lama say about women? This is not the first time the Dalai Lama has landed himself in hot water. In 2019, the spiritual leader was forced to issue an apology after he said that any woman who succeeded him as a reincarnation should be more attractive. Each Dalai Lama is believed to be a reincarnation of their predecessor. After being asked, they are beating this up. After being asked about the possibility that his own reincarnation could be a woman, he said, if female Dalai Lama comes, then she should be more attractive. He, su- he suggested that otherwise people, I think, prefer not to see her that face. He also said in 2015 that a female Dalai Lama would not be much use. All right, so he did mean it that way. On the subject of comments made by the Dalai Lama at the time, his office said, responding to a question about whether his own reincarnation could be a woman, and suggesting that if she were, she should be more attractive, he said he meant no offense. He is deeply sorry. And here's a picture of Trump. For no damn reason. All right. I've got many other stories. Many other stories to go over tonight. I also did a video. I did a quick video of Jennifer Coffindaffer. She's going around to all the B-list non-liberties for the news organizations, um, Shamfield all the time. And this started on um this started on Banfield actually, where they were talking about the ID found in a glove box. They were making it sound like the glove box of a car. She made it sound like the glove box of a car. She didn't just say glove box. Like she knew what the hell she was talking about. Look at the warrant. It said there was an ID found in a glove, found in a box. There you go. Not only that, but they had some unfounded, un, unsubstantiated information that it belonged to one of the victims. But there's nothing saying it would. It did. Nothing saying it did. So they're being fed false information, we believe. Or else they're participating in the law being broke. And this is direct evidence about that. But here's what's going to happen. Nobody's going to give a damn. All right? And if it is found out, when this does go to trial, and it eventually will, according to Coffindaffer, she says that this will go to trial in two years, is what she says. She might not be wrong. Let me tell you a little something about Jennifer Coffindaffer and what she did for the FBI, and why she doesn't belong going on every news show like she's uh, an expert about the judicial system. She was a firearm instructor, and according to, to her bio, she was an FBI fire, firearm instructor her whole life, her whole career. So if they have uh, information they need about handling firearms in the FBI, well, she's your girl. But until then, she just took a freaking class. And she wasn't uh, even 
involved in investigations in the FBI, according to her own uh, career highlight book. So let me show you the video that has to do with this. Because I know you're interested in it. So we're going to check it out right here. Here's Larry, a.k.a. Cuomo, talking about it. We have another exclusive set of details, and they go to uh, two aspects. One, evidence of what was found in the places where he lived uh, or he inhabited, okay, that may connect him to one of the victims. An ID was found connected to someone from the home in Moscow, Idaho. It was found during one of the searches of Koberger's residences, plural. So what does that mean? Well, either they found it in uh, Washington, you know, where he was just outside Moscow, Idaho, or in Pennsylvania. Police also believe they have evidence that could connect Koberger to what they are viewing as cyber stalking of someone from the Moscow residence. We've reached out to the police uh, due to the gag order. They can't confirm this information. But does this answer two questions? Uh, is it a smoking gun? Um, you know, I never really understand what that means. You know, obviously, is, is it the murder weapon? Who is it? No. But does it connect him to a group of people he had no business to be familiar with? And does it imply that Koberger may have had more people on his list and that that may be why they're investigating him to see if they can connect him to any other situations. Let's bring in retired FBI agent and News Nation legal contributor Jennifer Coffendaffer and high-profile trial attorney Mark Garagos. What, uh, to both of your reckonings, um, you're familiar. Now, what Mar- Mark Garagos is about to say, I feel is pretty spot on. I'm surprised uh, that he had the cojones to say what he does uh, to Cuomo, but I just don't think he likes Cuomo. And you're going to see you're going to see what I'm talking about here, and you might agree with me. Uh, now, it's important to note that it, it almost seems like Jennifer Coffendaffer is being a little bit careful here with some of the things she said, but she was not being careful whatsoever when she was on Ashley Banfield's show the previous night. Uh, they were slinging all kinds of accusations. Well, I'll play I'll play him. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to go back and get some of the things that she was saying on uh, on uh, Ashley's. With the reporting and the sourcing on this, uh, I basically have it right, yes? Nods of the head is enough? Okay. I mean, he's in a bad mood tonight, guys. I really do. Look at him. It's like they almost had something going on before. So from the investigative side, look, Garagos hates doing anything that's favorable to me. You see that? Even nodding his head. He didn't really want to. He was fighting it. So from the investigative side, Jennifer Coffendaver, I'll start with you. You find ID from one of the victims in a place that was controlled, inhabited uh, by Koberger. Uh, Let's start with that. How big a deal? It's a big deal. That is a smoking license. Just like the sheath was a smoking sheath. A smoking license. A license to smoke. Now, come on now. There is no evidence of whose license it is. According to her and according to unspecified sources, which would be illegal, it belongs to one of the victims, which wouldn't have, wouldn't have said that on the warrant. 
found next to Maddie with his DNA on that clasp. It's the same thing in this situation. Why would he have an ID related to one of those people from that house? And remember, we know that identifications were recovered from the glove box, and that was at the Pennsylvania search warrant. So interesting. We always wondered what were those identifications that they referred to? Uh, what's the counter, Mark? Well, the, the, look, the counter is we don't know if it's true yet. I, well, we uh, I think true. part of the problem is when you, put a, when you put a gag order on stuff like this and you don't have a way for people to respond, you get us doing what gag. we're doing now. I mean, I'd my much rather find out if, in fact, um, this is true. I would want to find out, number two, where it was found precisely, and I would want to know who it's of. And, uh, and if you get the... Uh, if you assume all of those things are true, then I don't disagree with uh, Koffendeffer. It is a, it's a bad fact. Uh, the idea that they have, what, what are they talking about, you think, Jennifer, in the universe of we have evidence that we believe shows that there was cyber stalking of him, of somebody else, either uh, in that house or elsewhere. What kind of things might they be talking about? Well, again, to Garagos's point, if that's true, what, why do people stalk? They stalk because they're feeling persecuted, and this is a way that they can exact their revenge. The same reason why people commit these types of heinous murders. All it means is pursuing stealthily. So this would line up completely with the crime he is accused of committing. And by uh, the way, wrong, it fits Go right ahead. in. It fits right in with Jennifer's theory from last night too. So this really, she's really building quite a true crime ma manifesto here. Uh, with, I can't wait. Garagos is busting balls over here. Do you hear him? Uh, I want to know what happened before they rolled tape on this. I can't wait for the book. Yeah, I'm gonna need her on the podcast. Um, the idea, and that is why she she has the same uh, company that is does her press that that um they have here on uh news nation which you know isn't top ranked i'll tell you that uh, is is it fair to uh, argue uh counselor at this point even if both of these things are true i'm more worried about the id being in something of his control or possession than i am of the cyber stalking you guys are saying you're, you, you guys say them. they flushed the toilet at cnn which is bad and it is uh news nation's goal that is horrible guys body and uh you know and they're and never gonna ask a little bit me too on their closely shows for now. somebody else's comfort but it doesn't mean you killed them that's exactly right, because if you've got something, I'm going to guess, and Jennifer, you can slap me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess that she would then say, look, if Pennsylvania... I have somebody in the chat room saying Garagos is a real deal. If he's a real deal, how come he's on a podcast with Adam Carolla? I'm sorry. Turns out that it would be worse if it was Jimmy Kimmel, though. They find things, and he's connected to other crimes. This is what serial killers do. They have trophies. They take a trophy, blah, blah, blah. This, this is like a true Yackety crime, smackety. I, I don't know, the, to exponential levels. So that is what the argument would be. And that's a very, I'll give you this. If any of this is true, it's yes. a very difficult hurdle for the defense. Hey, thank you for watching. Hey, check this out. All right, so here is the other one we watched. I've been loving Vegamore for the last two years. After this commercial, of course. You know, I take a... I almost want to take it back. 
All right, check this out. This is one of the last ones we watched. Okay, you're seeing it with me. Good. Damn it. Come on. Come on, damn it. What's this button do? That's right. To help break down these developments is former FBI Special Agent Stuart Kaplan. Stuart, it's good to see you. Thanks for being here. Good to see you. Thank you, Natasha. And so I do want to ask what your thoughts are around this ID connected with some one in that Moscow home in Idaho being found in Koberger's property. How big of a deal? Nobody said that. There's no verification of that information that they are putting out on his nation. I'm a badass. Well, there are two explanations. I think the, the latter is he grabbed. Somebody says, I like Adam Carolla, Jerry. Nothing against Adam Carolla. But should Adam Carolla be talking about true crime? Something on his way out as a, in his twisted or is way, he an or entertainer. Mind, as more of a trophy type of thing to take with him, or uh, the more sinister and the more concerning uh, aspect, would, it, would he have possibly entered into this home uh, at some earlier time and date and grabbed something unknown to any of the occupants of the house and that is something that he had on his person or had in his position. All right, so here's what we're looking at, and this is the reason why I'm playing this right now. What they're saying is going to slip through the freaking ether, and they're going to be found out wrong, and this comes to trial, and there was never an ID from one of the victims found in a glove in the box. You are not going to hear an apology on News Nation. They've been found out wrong several times. They never go back and say, we reported this, we were told this, it turns out to be this. That's all they have to do. Then go on, go on and never talk about it again. But you're not going to get that from them. And now, I want to know what the deal with Garagos is. Some of you like Garagos and Adam Carolla. Fine. They have a podcast. What is it about? Is he talking about this on the podcast? Is he uh, going to talk about why he, he, had, he has animosity towards uh, Cuomo? If it does, I want to hear about it. Phone number 325-261-0892. If you like them and you listen to their podcast, what are they saying? Do they have a good podcast? What are they talking about? All right. Um, we'll see. I'm, I'm looking at some information. Um, I just wanted to watch... The first part of this to see if it's worth watching about, or we can listen to it, about Stephen Smith. So let's check this out real quick. This is a, um, a crime investigation, and SLED, um, our state police agency, is handling that, and we are working with them. Supposedly to there's the some new information. We're going to check this out real A quick. second autopsy complete. A second investigation is underway, and a reward is being offered for information about the death of Stephen Smith. Thanks for joining us for Law and Crime's Sidebar Podcast. I'm Ann Jeanette Levy. Sandy Smith has been demanding answers in the death of her son, Stephen, since 2015. She and many of the law enforcement officers who worked on his case never believed that he died as the result of a hit and run. Over the weekend, experts hired by Smith's lawyers performed a second autopsy on Stephen and examined the road where his body was found. Dr. Michelle Dupree oversaw the exhumation of Stephen Smith's body and the second autopsy. That was the woman you heard talking. We actually uh, went to the gravesite on Friday. We exhumed right. the body. 
um, and then uh, transported it to Tampa, Florida, under police escort the entire time. Um, the autopsy, second autopsy, it was done on Saturday morning. Um, I was present. Um, we had a forensic anthropologist on board, as well as the forensic pathologist who actually performed the autopsy. Um, all of this was um, viewed and photographed by our law enforcement um, that accompanied us in the body there. It was then transported back to South Carolina on Saturday um, and then transport. reburied on Sunday. You said by police escort. Did, was this was the casket driven or was it flown or how did this occur? Um, well, it was in a vault, and so it was removed. The casket was removed from the vault in South Carolina, and the casket along with the body. This could very well be, we don't know what happened. Is that uncommon? Because I would think that you would, that would be part of something, if you're looking at something as a potential homicide, that would be, you know, I've talked to people who tell me that that was not unusual that that was done. You're right. Um, anytime that we have a sort of unusual circumstances, um, it's not uncommon to do a sexual assault kit on males or females. And the other point that you brought up earlier is that this was signed out as undetermined. And as you know, there's really only five um, manners of death, you know, acts. Asked that Stephen might have uh, traveled that night, every possibility if he wasn't uh, picked up. You know, I, I got to look at it from all. Did you know EST is impacting every part of your life from right? Well, good for it. Trying to keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of walking and in the woods, out of the woods, on the pavement, a lot of measurement. I'd start over and get back in the vehicle and clock it again. And All right. So they released this as being new information. They're releasing this as new information, but it is not as everything we've already gone over before. So I know you all have done this. But if you're looking or watching or listening right now, go ahead and subscribe and hit that bell. That way you get all the notifications going straight to you. And I'm talking about YouTube. We are filmed in front of a live YouTube audience. And uh, you don't only have to worry about YouTube alerts. I send, if you have the app, the Android app, if you don't, go to the Play Store. And you can download that for free if you have an Android device. Uh, our app is absolutely free, and we have a free rocking music 24 hours, 7 days a week, and we have a full selection of DJs rocking it all the time there. So also, you get a notification on that when we go live or when a DJ goes live. Your favorite DJ, you're going to know about it if you have an app because you're going to get a push notification. Also, if you're a member, and we do have memberships, you can be a Midnight Supporter, which is $2.99, a Midnighter, $4.99, or a Midnight Rider for our writing program. We have a writing class for $9.99 a month. But if you're a Midnight or above, then you can join our Discord, and our Discord has notifications if you're on Discord. So uh, if you, you have other ways, if YouTube doesn't let you know and you want a notification, there are other ways for you to get a notification. And uh, let's go to our next story. All right. Did you guys heard about this uh, bank robbery in Louisville? You guys heard about this? Now, it was a it was a bank robbery on Monday. The police were responding and let's see five. Let me read this too. 
They released a dramatic body cam, but it didn't show it. So let me look that up again. The Louisville shooting body cam. Don't worry, everything is bleeped out, so it's all right. It is all right. Here you go. Here we go. Of course, we got to get the commercials first. Yes. It's the best shaving cream. Here we go. All right. So there's a, actually it wasn't, did I say bank robbery? It wasn't a bank robbery. It was someone that worked at a bank. Let me read you the story first. All right, so this was released today. It showed the chaotic moments when police arrived at the scene of a mass shooting at a bank. It was not a robbery. I don't know why I said that. It's in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. It was someone who has just found out he'd been let go from the bank. Let me tell you guys, this isn't about gun violence. I mean, apart from gun violence, this isn't only about gun violence. Obviously, there was some gun violence going on, but... uh you're not. Did you guys hear about how many people were let go at the banks recently? Have you heard about how many people were let go from, I don't know, Wayfair? Uh, all the people that were let go from YouTube. There's a lot of people under extreme amount of stress right now. And uh, this violence is an example of that. Mostly, I find it's people that were let go. And this is being covered up by our government. It's being covered up by the news. How many are being let go and how many banks are failing all right, so beyond the gun violence part of it, our society is under a pressure cooker right now. And my point is things are going to get worse. People aren't concerned with laws. And pretty soon people are going to start to starve. And then you're really going to see the crime go up. So this body camera footage I'm about to show you shows moments when the police arrived at the scene the videos were taken from two wounded officers lapels they offer a rare perspective of police officers responding to a massacre that killed five and injured eight on Monday one a rookie officer was shot in the head within minutes of arriving at the scene his partner was grazed by a bullet and sought cover while trying to take down the shooter you know I I really wish these police officers had better training. They received the call of the shooting at the old National Bank at 8.38 a.m. The two officers arrived three minutes later. They hadn't even gotten out of the patrol car when the gunman began firing at them. Back up, back up, back up. One officer shouts. We're going to watch the video right now. Right here. For you guys that are listening on the radio, you're going to be able to hear... Pull up, pull up, pull up. 
All right, so training for shootings, and I've been trained for this, is this. You do not park directly in the line of fire. When you're approaching the line of fire, you do not stand up. You get really low to the ground. How low to the ground you go, if your tongue can touch the ground, I'm talking cheek to the ground, this is how low, this is how you crawl through it. If you peep your head up for a second, it could get taken out. Let's see how they do. All right. Looks like they're not in the line of fire. Okay. Look a little bit high to me. Hold it, cover for me. All right, he got a rifle. Very good, very good. One thirteen Baker, we're making entry from the uh, from the east side at Preston and Main. I would be lower. Okay, you see the glass go down. Oh, son of a gun. He walked right into that. There, now he's taking cover. He walked right into that. All right, so as soon as he got there, you could see the glass was shot out. Okay, you're, you're too high, you're too high. I can't tell if he got shot yet or not. The shooter has an angle on that officer. We need to get up there. I don't know where he's at. The glass is blocking him. I know what I would do. I would throw a grenade or a flashbang on that one side that I wasn't on. I'd roll it over there, go off, and go into the other side. For those of you just tuning in, I believe both of these police officers were shot. Let me let me double check here. And these are their footage from the cameras. 
Let me see what it says. This was released three hours ago, by the way. So this is freshly released for you guys. The shooting was on Monday, for those of you just tuning in, Monday morning around 8.30 a.m. You know, guys, this is a very, this video isn't long. It's a nine-minute video, and we're four minutes in, but it seems like it's been longer. towards the officer when he'd be able to plate somehow to be able to get there and pull him down from the stairs. So he shot him. See, and some people haven't heard about this. So again, this happened in Louisville, Kentucky. This happened from a man who was working at the banking, was let go. So this is a workplace violence shooting one another not okay is that is that blue talking yeah blue talking Talk more about it after the video. This is bystander video. I have to go full screen with this so you guys can see better. Can't see much. There it is. You see the one officer standing there, I think, behind the cover. No. 
Yeah, I want to point this out, guys. I've seen a pattern here. I told you guys about it before when it had families being slaughtered and they were doing a murder-suicide thing. And I told you what the economy was going to have with the economy. If you look at that shooting we had, uh, what was her name, Aubrey, Audrey, you know, at that school, she was with her parents because she couldn't make it in her field of, of, you know, graphic design. So she's having to live with her parents. This is all about the economy, and they're not telling people this. And it's going to get worse. You know, and they're going to talk about trans rights. They're going to talk about gun rights. But what's happening right now, and, and I don't think it was that much more different than uh, the Depression, all right? This is, I mean, this is worse than it ever was before, and nobody, but nobody is talking about it. I'm just giving you a little glimpse of it, and you're going to be able to see it. Just put a pin in it, and you're going to see what I'm talking about. I promise you. Things are going to get worse. I would not be surprised if next week there's two more shootings, and if you look at it, it's also going to be related to the uh, people not working or the ones that do it. Bulletproof glass is very expensive. Actually, it might be cheaper nowadays. Come to think of it, now they have something called transparent aluminum. Okay, this is from across the street, apparently. So you're seeing, for those of you that are listening, okay, here we go. All right, multiple officers from various agencies and federal partners arrived on scene and began clearing the building to ensure there were no additional active aggressor. Officers immediately gave treatment to the wounded victims. All right, that, that's it, everybody. It's horrible. It's a horrible situation. And you know what? Right before I came on, there's a shooting in Washington. Did you know that? So Louisville, boom, Washington. What do you want to bet it had something to do with a job? All right, let's see. Uh, all right. So they received the call of a shooting at Old National Bank. Let's, let's finish this out at 8.38 a.m. And two officers arrived three minutes later, according to a chronology given by the police. Back up, back up, back up. One officer shouted his gun. Shots thundered in the background. One still image from surveillance showed the 25-year-old shooter who worked at the bank holding a rifle, wearing jeans and blue button-down shirt and sneakers, surrounded by broken glass inside the building. He'd already shot numerous people inside, and police said he set up an ambush position to attack officers as they arrived. The front doors were glass, elevated from the sidewalk, and because of the reflection, the officers could not see the shooter inside. Humphrey said, but he could see them. Officer Corey Galloway retrieved a rifle from the trunk of the patrol car, Cover for me, he said, and they reported to dispatch there had been shots fired. Galloway was training rookie officer Nicholas Wilt, who had graduated from the police academy just 10 days earlier. The video showed them walking up the stairs toward the front door when the gunman fired a barrage of bullets. Wilt was shot in the head, and that's what you guys saw. That was the first camera you saw go up there, and you saw him fall down. Though that was not captured on video, Galloway was grazed in the shoulder, police said. His body camera showed that he fell 
and then took cover behind a concrete planter at the bottom of the staircase. Leading to the building, sirens from the dozens of police cars coming toward them walked, wailed in the background. The shooter has an angle on the officer, he said in the video recording. We need to get up there. I don't know where he's at. The glass is blocking him. All right, and this goes to the bystander across the street. It showed him darting back and forth from one side of the planter to another, trying to get a shot at the gunman. I'm telling you, nowadays, guys, right now, I would not want to be a policeman. I'm about to show you something else that happened an hour ago before I got on the air here. And you guys don't know about that yet. He waited as other officers arrived. More gunshots rang out and glass shattered. Holloway fired towards the gunman at 8.44 a.m., three minutes after arriving. I think I've got him down. I think he's down, he shouted. Suspect down, get the officer. So Galloway fired the shot that took him down. He advanced into the building. Shards of glass crunched under his feet. We saw that. The video then showed Galloway approaching, approaching the suspect who lay on the ground inside the lobby next to a long rifle. I think you can see the tension in that video, Humphrey said Tuesday. You can understand the stress that those officers are going through. They did absolutely everything they needed to do to save lives. One officer... Once officers arrived on scene, not another person was shot. Wilt was transported in the back of a police car to a hospital, Humphrey said. In the chaotic first minutes, police treated and triaged the victims inside. Humphrey said the ambulance service was short-staffed, so a police lieutenant drove the ambulance while emergency crews treated people at the scene. Wilt, that was the rookie, was still in critical condition but stable Tuesday, according to the University of Louisville. Hospital chief. Two of the four wounded still in the hospital had injuries that were not life-threatening. Louisville Mayor Craig Greensburg said it was crucial to release the footage because transparency is important, even more so in a time of crisis. Police chief said at a news conference, the bank employee Connor Sturgeon, 25, bought the AR-15 assault-style rifle using the attack at a local dealership on April 4th, armed with a rifle, Sturgeon killed his co-workers, including a close friend of the Kentucky governor, while live-streaming the attack. That's right, it was live-streamed, everybody. Live-stream on Instagram. I just got breaking news that there was a... Wells Fargo hostage situation from four hours ago. So as we started here, it's the 15th mass killing in the country this year. 15, 16, 17, two as we started. All right, so before I check my email, I'm going to go to the one that happened in Washington right now. Let me find it here. You know, I got to show you this, guys. So this is a gun in deadly Louisville shooting will be auctioned off. What? So this just happened on Monday, and they're going auction to auction it off? We heard a click, and the lady next to me turned around and said, what the hell? And then he just started shooting. Yeah, we were in the conference, back conference room. Whoever's next to me we got shot, and hit bloods on me from it. 
and I had to grab something. And then on my way back up to the elevator, I just hear this loud. I thought there was like something like dropping because they were doing some construction or some renovations in there. And and yeah, I got up there and the guy was like, run, there's a shooter. I was like, oh. Uh, he had a long saw rifle and he started, you hear the, fart, the, the, the shots just start firing. Uh, we have a break room. I got in there and shut the door for a second. And then I was looking around, opened the door to see where he was at. And I could see him still shooting. I didn't see his face. And then I took off running out the front door. Apparently, they're going to auction off the weapon. Maybe that's something they do with seized weapons. Data compiled by the Gun Violence Archive shows there's been at least 147 mass shootings defined as those in which at least four people were shot so far in 2023, including at least 16 since the start of April. There's a report of shots fired at Old National Bank. Officers were on scene within three minutes. The suspect shot at officers. We then returned fire and stopped that threat. The suspect is deceased. I got a call from my wife panicking that she was locked in the vault, that there was an active shooter in the building. We heard multiple shots, and then everything got quiet. Just a very traumatic phone call to get right at 8.30. I opened the door to see where he was at, and I could see him still shooting. I didn't see his face, and then I took off running out the front door. The suspect has been identified who was employed at Old National Bank. His weapon of choice was a rifle. This is awful. I have a very close friend that didn't make it today. And I have another close friend who didn't either, and one who's at the hospital. So when we talk about praying, I hope people will. All right. Stay tuned. We have more shootings from today. Washington, D.C. funeral home shooting leaves one dead and three wounded. So that's four. That's another mass shooting, right? One dead and three wounded. This happened at a funeral home. All right. Now, this video doesn't go with this story. Four people were shot, including one fatally outside a Washington, D.C. funeral home Tuesday. And an unidentified gunman remains at large. I think they just, they might have just caught him, though. Officers responded to the scene while multiple People were shot outside the funeral home. Greeting reporters at the scene, the uh, police chief said investigators believe the people were targeted but don't yet know why. The shooting unfolded while a funeral for a homicide victim killed at the end of March was letting out around 12, 17 p.m. An officer already in the area in his car by a bus stop called out for the sounds of gunshots. I remember went out to the aid of several people of the four victims struck by gunfire. All were adults. One of them, a man, was deceased, while the other three were taken to area hospitals with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. 
the chief said their undertaker there is going to be busy. They're asking for the the community's help to find the gunman. There's a funeral home right there. They have not even identified the gunman yet. That is a shooting in Washington, D.C. Here's the people who are talking about it right now. D.C. gang activity happens every day. Catch and release is alive and well in D.C., by the way. Pat, no puzzle required. Uh, What else do we have? They're saying it's gang violence in Washington, D.C. All right. Let's see what else I got here. I've got a lot of other things to go over. I'm going to go over all the shootings first. All right. I'm going to go to my email now. Pull up the latest latest thing that happened while we were live. All right, here we go. Breaking news right here on Midnight Radio. Another bank. Suspect arrested after holding five people hostage inside Arlington Wells Fargo Bank. Always in Texas. Okay, hold on a second. All right, let's play this video. Ah. Connect with Flex, one-stop shop. Oh, yes, let's have a commercial. But I love commercials. So great. Thank you so much. I feel like buying something right now. Family being shot at. That's great. All right, we're going to start the five with breaking news tonight out of Arlington, where police have just taken a suspect into custody for trying to rob a bank and then barricading himself inside with employees. Fox 5's Josh Rosenthal there joining us live. And Josh, tell us, what do we know right now? Well, guys, it appears as though this was a peaceful ending to a really scary and potentially very dangerous situation. I'm going to move out of the way so you can see what's happening here right now. You can still see there is an active investigation of this well. This reporter sounds really scared. Washington Boulevard. We literally just in the last two to three minutes heard from police. We'll start from the top. They say that this all started a little after 3 p.m. They say a suspect walked into this Wells Fargo bank, implied he had a gun. That's their language. Implied he had a gun and demanded money. That turned into, according to police, a barricade situation in which five people were stuck inside with this suspect. Again, according to police, they said of those five people, one of them was a child. One child, four adults. Now, this whole thing went on for about an hour. And just recently, most likely within the past 10, 20 minutes, the suspect was taken into custody. Apparently, according to police, they gave him commands to come out, and eventually he did. So he was taken into custody peacefully. They say no weapon has been found to this point. And most importantly, the people who were in there with him, the four adults, the one child, are safe tonight. Again, as you can see, very active investigation here. We still don't know the circumstances of what led this person to go inside to demand money and then what happened in between that and the barricade situation. Police said they're still looking into that and tonight, so are we. One other thing I will point out, if we could just move along here, this is a really busy story. 
Question from the chat room is our first person shooter video games making killers more common. If uh, I had to give my opinion on that, I would say absolutely not because we played Super Mario Brothers back in the day and that didn't cause more people to jump on mushrooms. I think it's from their parenting. Stretch of Clarendon. Yes, you got a lot of media here, but you've also got a ton of people getting drinks, enjoying this beautiful weather here today. So Just another this day quite the scene. The office. Thankfully, peacefully resolved because, again, guys, you've got someone going into a bank, demanding money, uh, turning into a barricade situation for adults and a child in there. This could have been really ugly, thankfully, tonight, according to police. This would have been a little bit different because in Texas, there's an open carry law. You don't even have to have a permit to carry. So it might have been a little bit different. Has been resolved peacefully. We hope to have more information for you as soon as 6 o'clock tonight. Guys, back to you. That's a good question, though. It comes from the chat room. We're going to go to our our different stories we have from shootings. Do you think first-person video games are making killers more common? It's a good question. I'd like to know what you think. Phone number is 325-261-0892. I said I don't think so, but I could very well listen to an argument where you think so. If you look at Audrey Hell, the shooter from last week, she went to the Covenant County School and took the lives of three children and three adults that worked there. Uh, She did dress up like she was in some kind of shooting video game and acted like she was too. It's a good question. Are first-person shooter video games making killers shooters more common what do you think first number the phone number is 325-261-0892 if you call when we're not live on the air then uh, i'm gonna go ahead and open up the phone lines right now by the way in case you do want to call i am now receiving calls and you will be happy to know that i voicemail all right so here we go See what this message is. Arlington, Virginia, not Arlington, Texas. Good. Good deal. So there's not open carry. Well, maybe they do, and I don't know about it. Here is a message from our phone line. Let's check it out. Phone lines are now open, by the way. All right, well, we'll just stop there. Yes, hello. I just have a little bit of insight on... The murders. Lay it on me. Yeah, those four murders. All right, let's do um, it. I've been wanting to go in and talk with you. I have a lot to say. I don't know if I, one message has been enough, but I would like for you to investigate more on the Hyundai Elantra Silver and the extra cab truck that's white. You see it going by when they're walking down the street, with, uh, going to the grub truck. You can see it driving down the street when she says, what did you tell Adam? And Maddie says, I told him everything. That yes. is the same truck, I believe, that sits behind in her ex-boyfriend's parking lot there. Both the Elantra Silver and that truck are both there. Just something I think you should check into, maybe. Thank you for your call. Uh, It is very possible. We know that her boyfriend, her ex, was there at the club now. It's very possible that it was his truck that drove by. 
So there you go. Um, we talked about it in the past. You might have to look at one of our past shows in that, but I believe, I believe we covered it. Somebody, hello, Sandy. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. She's Lady Sandy in the chat room, everybody. She says, Dalai Lama seemingly has dementia. I would not. Dis- phone line went to voicemail. Really? Is it because I was listening to something? Electra, what are you doing calling me anyway? It's not the video game. It's mental illness. Um, yeah, it's good to see you, Sandy. Dalai Lama seemingly has dementia. I want to mention that. I think it is possible that he has dementia. And perhaps the whole tongue-sucking thing wasn't uh, untoward anyway. Um, it would seem people do weird things like that when they have dementia. So I think that might actually be possible. All right. Check this out. Complex plot outlined in murder trial of Ohio doomsday mother. I meant Idaho. I look at Idaho and I think Ohio. I don't know why that happens to me. Let's check this out. How many of you guys are following this Lori Daybell trial? All right. Uh, This sums it up rather nicely where we're at right now so uh, those of you that haven't followed it maybe you'll want to now i got a question for you chat room and we were going over that yesterday are they actually live streaming the trial i didn't see it i didn't see it at all so here we go there's a picture so they're not live streaming i know prosecutors have suggested motives they showed graphic photos and described a complicated plot involving efforts to cast out evil spirits in the triple murder trial of a woman accused in the deaths of her two kids and a romantic rival. On Tuesday, a detective who helped unearth the children's bodies is expected to take the stand. Have you guys heard about that? Let me get my, my readers on here. Oh, I feel like these lights are burning a hole through my eyes into my soul. The defendant used money, power, and sex to get what she wanted. Fremont County Prosecutor Lindsey Blake told jurors Monday during the first day of arguments. It didn't matter what it was. Lori Vallow Daybell and her fifth husband, Chad Daybell, sounds like a damn brand of ice cream if you ask me, are both charged with multiple counts of conspiracy, murder, and grand theft. In connection with the deaths of Vallow Daybell's two youngest children, seven-year-old Joshua J.J. Vallow and big sister, Tylee Ryan, who was last seen a few days before her 17th birthday in 2019. Prosecutors also charged the couple in connection with the October 2019 death of Chad Daybell's late wife, Tammy Daybell. She looks like a Muppet. Both defendants have pleaded not guilty but are being tried separately. Chad Daybell's trial is still months away. Vallow Daybell faces up to life in prison if convicted. Vallow Daybell never reported her two youngest children missing. This is Guys, this is catching you up for those of you that don't know about this. Prosecutors said instead, Rexenberg police said both she and Chad Daybell lied to investigators about the kids' whereabouts. 
The search for the kids lasted for months before it came to a tragic conclusion in June of 2020. Their remains were found in Chad Daybell's eastern Idaho yard. Tylee's body had been burned, Blake said, and leaving behind only a mass of bones and tissue and some DNA on a pickaxe and shovel. Duct tape had been wrapped around JJ's hands and head, his body wrapped in trash bags. Tammy Daybell had died months earlier from what was initially reported as natural causes. Purportedly during her sleep after coming down with an illness, but authorities grew suspicious when they learned Chad and Lori had married just two weeks after Tammy's death. With the search of the missing kids still underway, investigators had Tommy had Tammy Daybell's body exhumed. Remember, the defendant will remove any obstacle in her way to get what she wants, and she wanted Chad Daybell. Hey, guys, did you know about this? Did you know that they had a podcast together? Yeah, they are uh, Mormons, but they're, I don't know, almost a side shoot that they made on their own of really extreme belief. Mormons that believe that they were in the end times and believe that the world was persecuting them. They had a podcast. She did, by the way. And he was a writer, a fiction writer, uh, Mormon fiction writer, rather. And he was on her podcast many times until they just started liking doing podcasts together. And then they got a little cozy and then they completely went off the damn rails. So here we go. Here are those rails. An autopsy shows she dies, died of asphyxiation caused by someone else. Blake said, well, no shit. As she spoke, she showed graphic photos to the jury of shallow graves, the children's remains and Tammy Daybell's body. All three of the victims were killed because they they were obstacles to Valo Daybell's romantic and financial goals. This is what the prosecution, this is the whole picture the prosecution is painting. Remember, the defendant will remove any obstacle in her way to get what she wants, and she wanted Chad Daybell. Defense attorney Jim Archbald presented jurors with a far different picture describing Valo Daybell's kind and loving mother to her children who happened to have a peculiar interest, a particular interest rather in religion and biblical prophecies involving the end of the world. So I'm going to ask you guys in the chat room, you guys that are hearing me. And even if you're watching or listening to this later, do you think this is, do you think this is mental illness or do you think this is, um, Gosh, extremist, uh, religious extremism? Or do you think this is just a woman and a man doing what they want to get what they want? Well, the defense continues here. They say, some people care less about biblical prophecy. Some people care a lot about it, Archibald said. Thankfully, in this country, we get to worship as we choose. We don't get to murder as we choose. No. Here in the good old U.S. of A., the government has a monopoly on murder. Valo Daybell's presumed innocent Archibald remains reminded jurors and said the criminal charges themselves, which accuse Valo Daybell of either directing, encouraging, assisting, or participating in the murders, show that prosecutors don't really know what happened in this case. Really? They know they murdered. Matter of fact, those two were at the house when they found the bodies in the backyard. Don't kid yourselves. Did she kill or did she assist? 
Or did she encourage? Or did she direct? They aren't sure, Archibald said. She's not talking. Not a good defense, Archibald. Archibald also said that Valo Daybell's religious beliefs only began to change after she met Chad Daybell. To that, I call bullshit. She had the podcast. All right, we're going to start talking about that apparently right here. After she met Chad Daybell, a religious author whose fictional books focused on the apocalypse and were loosely based on the beliefs of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But Blake said those beliefs veered towards the extreme, with the couple saying people were dark or light, telling friends and acquaintances that dark people had been taken over by evil spirits. They eventually began teaching friends that once those evil spirits were strong enough, the person became a zombie, and the only way to free that person's soul was by killing them. Wow. Interesting. What are you guys thinking in the chat room? They thought that killing them was freeing them. Friends of Valo Daybell will testify that she said the children and Tammy Daybell were dark before their deaths. At least one friend told police that Valo Daybell called both children zombies before they disappeared, according to the police records. The common theme was the body has to be destroyed, Blake said. The defendant and Chad used their self-proclaimed religious teachings to justify their actions to others. Their actions from affair to murder. J.J. Vallow's grandmother, Kay Woodcock, was the first witness to take the stand after opening arguments. She cried after Madison County Prosecutor Rob Wood showed her a photo of J.J. Woodcock said Vallow Daybell was once a doting mother. But her opinion of the defendant changed after Charles Vallow filed for divorce in early 2019. After Charles Vallow died, one regular, once regular phone calls and visits with JJ dropped off. Did she kill Charles? She only had contact with JJ three times after his father died, Woodcock said, in short FaceTime video calls. The last call happened the month before J.J. was last seen alive. She said it was only about 35 seconds long. He just said, Hi, Mom. Hi, Papa. Woodcock said, referring to J.J.'s nicknames for his grandparents. Gotta go, Mama. Gotta go, Pa. Bye. Woodcock eventually contacted authorities and asked them to do a welfare check on J.J., prompting Rexburg police to open a missing persons case in November 2019. During that period, police say the couple lied about the children's whereabouts. All right, guys, I do want to remind you that the phone line is now open. No, it's not open. Damn it. Damn it. Why do you do this to me? All right. Hey, I don't know what happened. All right, here's a uh, voice message real quick from somebody. Now I definitely had to call you, Jerry, and it still went to voicemail. This is DJ Electra. I don't know what you're talking about. But I want to tell you that I agree it's mental illness, but also first-person shooter video games, constantly these kids are playing these games where they're just killing and shooting. Would you say that these kids seem like zombies? People. 
and it just makes them completely, I think, completely just they're, they don't see the value of life anymore when they're shooting people all day long. So let's hear what you have to say about that. I'm just taking opinions, not giving opinions. I could give opinions on both sides. The phone line, I promise, is now open if you guys want to call in about this. I'd like to hear from you. I tell you what. I tell you what I'll do. I'm, uh, I'll open up the old Discord. Don't send me any messages on there, but if you want to call in through Discord, that'll work. You guys saw my Discord, didn't you? I'm going to continue here. The phone line is now open, 325-261-0892. So the grandparents asked for a welfare check on November of 2019. During that period, police say the couple lied about the children's whereabouts. Prosecutors say the couple planned to use life insurance money from Tammy Daybell's death and that Valo Daybell kept collecting and spending the children's Social Security and survivor benefits after they died. Tylee's father died after he and Vallo Daybell divorced years earlier. Some people, I mean, it's been presented that it was her, Lori Vallo's brother that killed JJ's father. Yeah. Who Vallo Daybell was married to when she met Chad Daybell. He was fatally shot by Vallo Daybell's brother, Alex Cross. Vallow Daybell's charged in Arizona in connection with Charles Vallow's death, but yet to enter a plea. So she was getting money from that. Cox, who told police the shooting was in self-defense, died a few months after the shooting was never charged. Her brother died also. The couple eliminated any and every obstacle that was in their way of getting exactly what they wanted. That's what she said. That's the prosecutor. It may not have been the first attempt on Tammy Daybell's life. Ten days earlier, she'd called police to report that a masked man approached her in her driveway and shot at her a couple of times before running away. A lot of people think that that was her brother. Later that night, someone overheard a phone call between Valo Daybell, who was angry, and another person. She made statements along the line of, he can't do anything right, the prosecutors told jurors. Another witness testified that he was also the target of a shooting in October of 2019. Brandon Bordeaux was formerly married to Valo Daybell's niece, Melanie Pulowski. Pulowski looked up to Valo Daybell, Bordeaux said, and the woman began attending religious meetings together. Palowski grew increasingly religious, he said, fixated on the idea that the world was about to end. The two divorced in 2019, Bordeaux said he was driving to his new rental home when someone parked in a Jeep Wrangler near his driveway shot at him, the bullet shattering his car window. Bordeaux said he recognized the Jeep as one that had belonged to Tylee. Valo Daybell had not been charged with the shooting attempt against Bordeaux, but prosecutors Rachel Smith said the shooting said the shootings were all part of the same plan to cause the death of multiple people in her world. Do you guys agree that that should have even been let into court? If they didn't charge her for it, couldn't connect her with it. Why was that allowed? Thoughts? Rexburg Police Detective Ray Hermaslio 
is expected to take the witness stand on Tuesday. Hermosillo has testified during previous court proceedings about how investigators unearthed the children's bodies and the condition of the remains. His testimony is expected to take all day, and to the best of my knowledge, that is exactly what happened. I'm going to go to the front of this and see if they have anything about him today. All right, let's see what the chat room says. All right. I don't see any updates here. Not on that story. All right, let me see what the chat room is saying about the guns. And the question is whether or not kids playing online shooters makes them shoot people. My son played those games and probably still does. He's just a normal guy. There are no such things as zombies, just an excuse to help murderers get away with it. My son plays the games too. I'm not saying games are the reason for killing, but they desensitize. I've played games since Mario Brothers, and I don't feel warped in any way, but I do like true crimes. So thank God Charles changed his life insurance beneficiary before he was murdered. Pissed off Lori when she found out. Somebody says, I've been watching true crime for a long time, and I can control myself. All right. This is scary. So some of you do have children. And this happened recently and it turned out okay. Let me don't Florida girl 12 stole dad's car, took a friend on a 400 mile drive to possibly see a person they met online. What do you want to bet? It has something to do with Instagram. It went from Florida, Alabama. 12-year-old girl stole her father's car, picked up her friend, and the pair drove across state lines to allegedly meet a person they met online, but the girls turned themselves in after seeing their faces on TV. Missing Child Alert enacted Tuesday morning for the 12-year-old and 14-year-old after the girls were last seen in their hometown of Lake Butler, Florida. They were believed to be traveling I-10 highway towards Louisiana. The department had information that the girls could be traveling to meet someone they met online. However, it's not clear who that person was or if they were an adult. They were going from there to there, Alabama, Florida to Alabama. It's a long way. Alerts were issued for the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children of Florida. Officials said that there were no adults with them and no foul play was expected. The girls ultimately saw themselves on TV in a missing children alert at a gas station in Alabama and turned themselves into local authorities. The same afternoon, the Sheriff's Office of Union County announced the alert was canceled and the girls were located safe about 400 miles away from their hometown. 
Multiple agencies were involved in looking for the girls, including the FBI and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Williams said there were some suspicious circumstances that raised red flags regarding the online person the girls may have been trying to meet, and the matter was turned over to the FBI to investigate. We're never going to hear anything more about this. This is a problem. Uh, I used to sneak out of the house and roll the car down the street and then start it up, but I never stole a car. I, I... I think I might have done that now that I'm remembering, but I was also not 12 years old. Wow. All right, we got more stories coming up right now on Midnight Radio. This one's kind of interesting, but I think it has an alarming trend. Phone number is 325-261-0892 if you want to call in. Two youths were killed in the latest fire blamed on an e-bike in New York City. Death by e-bike? An electric bicycle powered by a lithium-ion battery is being blamed for fatal fire on Monday in New York City that killed two youths. Marking the latest in a string of e-bike-related fires in the city. We need to outlaw. We need to outlaw it then. All right. You guys are sending me emails. I got Trump's booking photo. That's a good photo. Oh, is that what that was? All righty then. Feedbacks are killing people. Fire Department, New York City of Department, Chief of Department. It's an odd title, sir. John Hodgins said it took his fighters only three minutes to arrive at the Astoria Queen's home. However, with the fast-moving nature of e-bike fires and the fact the bike was being charged near the front entrance of the multi-family building, the victims didn't have a chance to get out of the building as the intense fire quickly traveled up the stairs to suck this damn, this is damn horrifying here. Holy crap. You know what? I was just on YouTube a few seconds ago and it was showing uh, not an ad, but an influencer video. I mean, it's someone that had millions of followers, you know, wearing shorty shorts, showing how good a Dean bike was. And now we have them on fire. So we got here very quickly. And if this was not a bike fire, most likely we would have been able to put this fire out without incident. But the way those these fires occur, it's like an explosion of fire, he told reporters outside the burn home. It's an ongoing problem. We implore everybody to please be very careful and aware of the danger of these devices. Did you guys know about this? With Monday's fire, there have been five fire-related deaths this year in New York City where officials have said the cause of the blaze was an e-bike. Out of 59 total e-bike fires this year, this is more than people dying by gun violence. What the hell? Come on now. What do we report? How do we report this stuff? 59 total e-bike-related fires last year. There were six e-bike-related fatalities in the city. Okay, so only six. Okay, but what about property damage? Holy moly, I haven't heard about this before. It's disturbing. Hodgins said a father and his five children were inside the second-story apartment just before 2 p.m. When the fire occurred, the father and three of his children were able to jump from a window to safety. The mother had not was not at home at the time. I just said it appears an extension cord was running from the upper apartment down to what fire officials believe 
was an aftermarket charger. Boom, there you go, aftermarket. What do you want to bet it came from China? All right, for the bike, which was parked in the vestibule of the building. Hodgins said while the bike was being charged in this case, there have been other fires involving bikes not being charged at the time. Okay. E-bikes have become popular non-gasoline burning ways to make deliveries, commute, and zip around the city as promoted cycling in recent decades. Guys, this is disturbing. Of course, let's regulate, regulate, regulate. We're also calling on our federal, state, and local partners to move quickly on regulations that will help ensure tragedy like today's fire prevented, she said in a statement. We are heartbroken for the family of these victims. Guys, let me tell you something I've been investigating for a little bit now. There's stories I work on that you guys don't hear. Sometimes these investigations take months, and one of the things I was investigating started with water beads, and then I found out that they had illegal compounds in the United States, and they were made in China. Now, they don't natively have these illegal elements in it, but through the process of manufacturing, there's some of those um, harmful chemicals, and I'm talking toxic chemicals left in there and children can ingest them because they're in these toys i'm talking about water bees and also i looked at gujitsu so i was looking at gujitsu and you know there's nerve agents involved in in making gujitsu toys so inside of it is highly toxic and can kill children of course you don't hear about this and the process of investigating this i was learned that they were made in china and that the law about things imported is that let's say Amazon, for example, imports something from China and your kid bites into a gujitsu and uh, it's a neurotoxin. So it messes up the kid really bad, puts him in a coma, he dies. There's no one you can sue because of the way the law is. You can't sue Amazon and you can't sue China because China's a country. This is total protection. So when you're looking at these e-bikes, my point is this. It's kind of the same thing. If you have aftermarket bikes, you can order these things from China. Most of them probably are because in America, they regulate the shit out of things to the point you can't make it and make a profit out of it. And that's why they're imported for other, other countries. And there's nothing that can be done because you can't sue China. So good luck on your regulations there. This is a politics that go behind the scenes. Politics behind the scenes. The phone line is open now if you want to call in and talk about some of these stories. 325-261-0892. I've got more for you. 325-261-0892. All right. Now... I've received several emails about this next story. I'll be they from the same person. Let me check this message I got real quick. All right. All right, let me just... um. GOP, Texas governor, we got to say, you know, he's Republican governor, moves to pardon man convicted of murdering Black Lives Matter protester. Have you guys heard about this? Let's get more information. Uh, let's see what the hell's going on here, guys. 
This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. As we go right now to the capital of Texas, to Austin, where Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott says he's working as swiftly as possible to pardon a U.S. Army sergeant who was just convicted Friday of murdering a Black Lives Matter activist in 2020, just blocks from the Texas State Capitol building. The move comes after an Austin jury heard evidence in an eight-day trial deliberated for 17 hours before it convicted Daniel Perry of murder and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon for fatally shooting 28-year-old Garrett Foster, who was an Air Force veteran. The jury found the defendant, Daniel Perry, guilty of the offense of murder as a living. All right, so I think it's important to say the man he killed was white. I didn't know that before. It was presented to me. Like he was not. That's regardless. I don't care. That's the way it was presented. Perry was working as a rideshare driver when he drove his car into the protest after he had earlier tweeted he, quote, might have to kill a few people on my way to work. Garrett Foster was pushing his fiancé's wheelchair and was legally carrying an AK-47 rifle at the protest when Foster shot him four times with his .357 Magnum pistol, later telling police Foster did not point his rifle at him, but, quote, I didn't want to... Wow. Let me read the title of this. Moves to pardon man of... Man convicted of murdering Black Lives Matter protester. Okay. Give him a chance to aim at me, he said. Garrett Foster, the murder victim, and his fiance Whitney Mitchell, had been together since they were 17 years old. Foster became one of Mitchell's primary caretakers when she went into septic shock at the age of 19 and lost all four of her limbs. Mitchell's mother, Patricia Curvin, called Foster her daughter's fifth limb. This is Whitney Mitchell responding to Governor Abbott's request for a pardon of Daniel Perry. Okay, this is another thing I don't understand about this. Uh, To my information, a governor doesn't have to call for a pardon. He can just write it. Never have I ever heard, including in Texas, someone have to talk about giving a pardon. After his guilty verdict came down, speaking to KXAN News. I was disgusted, and I was... It was shocking to see I'm to see too. that after everything that me and Garrett's family. All right, so somebody in the chat room said, I'm sorry, they're moving to pardon the shooter. So that's where we're at. Now, according to the way this headline, this is a talking point, is written, is saying that the, go- the governor of Texas called for this man who did the shooting of the protester the Black Lives Matter protester, to be pardoned. And we're looking at this to see exactly what all this entails. So far, it does not look good. Family have been through to get to this point. I was so relieved to see justice for Garrett and then just for all of that to just be completely taken away is, like, extremely horrifying. And I, 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 I don't understand it 
Several people were filming on the night of the protest, July 25th, 2020. This is video of the shooting that was taken by Robert oh my, Garrett. A lot of and then by today. our next guest, Hiram Gilberto, uh, warning to our mm. viewers and listeners, this footage warning includes gun violence. The footage was compiled by KXAN. <laughs> All right, let me go ahead and put this up on the big screen so we can see it together. It's going to be hard to see anything. A lot of gunshots. In his murder trial, Daniel Perry used the state's stand-your-ground law of self-defense to defend his actions. The Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles said Monday it's now... All right, so we know, we know right now that he had a weapon, and we know the man that he shot has a we- had a weapon. And what else, what else happened? Launching an investigation into Governor Abbott's request for an expedited pardon. A court docket had mistakenly listed Perry's sentencing hearing as being scheduled for 9.15 a.m. today, but the sentencing has actually not even been set. There has just been the murder verdict. For more, we're joined in Austin by two people. Hiram Gil- We are not going to watch this whole thing, guys. I will link everything that I showed, I'm going to put in the description below the video. So you guys can, if you want more information, go watch all the rest of it. This is more information that you get from, you know, just reading the the title of it. Alberto Garcia is an independent journalist who live streamed that night and was the first witness on the stand to testify for Daniel Perry's murder trial. Also with us, Rick Kofer, former assistant district attorney for Travis County, which includes Austin, now a criminal defense attorney. Uh, affidavit, are you in here? Someone said, I know Affa has so much more info on this, and my hat removes for what he promotes. So, I don't think affidavit's in here. I don't want to hear. We don't, we can't watch this whole thing. All right, if you guys want to talk about this more, the phone line. Is three two five two six one zero eight nine two. If affidavit or rabbit hole want to call in and let me know more about this, uh, maybe what happened in the trial. Although he was found guilty, and they're talking about a pardon. So, if you guys have more information for that, please educate me. I'm always open to that. Let's see what more I have for you. All right, here we go. A lot happening in Texas. Missing woman found alive inside submerged Jeep in Texas. Now, this is from today. I realize there's another story that happened two days ago, but this is from today. Craziness. All right, I'm not hearing anything. Hmm, just pictures. How missing was she? Was she gone three hours, 24 hours?
All right, let's read this. A missing Texas woman was discovered inside a submerged... Okay, this is the one from last week. Jeep last week, according to the sheriff's office, a fisherman called authorities Friday morning and reported seeing a submerged Jeep about 40 feet from the boat. What in the hell? All right. As crews prepared to remove the Jeep from the lake, they realized someone was alive inside. With the assistance of the record service, fishermen and Marion County deputies, the female was safely rescued from the submerged Jeep. EMS responded to the location and transported the female to a local hospital. Investigators found the woman had been reported missing from Longview, Texas. We do not know how long the Jeep was in the water. Longview officers say the woman had been reported missing at 1230 a.m. on Friday. Okay, 12.30 a.m. on Friday, and she was found. They don't say. How long was she missing? And what the hell's wrong with NPR? They don't do audio anymore. They only write. She was alive inside, and she was missing for at least a few days. And this is crappy reporting. Come on now. Gosh. All right, so remember when we covered that story about the chocolate factory? That uh, explosion there. Well, we heard um, talks about there being some leaking gas and people smelled it, but we got this today. Company ignored complaints of a gas leak before chocolate factory explosion that killed seven. This is what the suit says. There's a lawsuit now. You knew there was going to be. Workers smelled gas that day and notified Palmer, but the 75-year-old family-owned company did nothing. You are looking at the video from the moment a powerful explosion rocked a chocolate factory in eastern Pennsylvania. At least seven people died in that blast. NBC News correspondent George Solis is in West Reading where this explosion happened and joins us now for more on this developing story. Good morning, George. So what can you tell us about the latest on the death toll and the investigation there? Hey, good morning, Stephen. It's obviously a somber morning here in West Reading, Pennsylvania. Seven confirmed dead after this deadly explosion that really rocked this community. There was some hope over the weekend when one person, a lone survivor, was saved from this avalanche of debris and wow. rubble following what? this explosion. Officials said they were going to work through the weekend to try and find more survivors, and unfortunately, that death toll just kept climbing. Late last night, officials confirming that the final final two bodies were recovered from the rubble. So now this transitions from that search and recovery effort to just clean up and crews here are being very methodical still as they work and clean up this debris. And again, people in this community are just reeling because this factory here has been in this community for decades. Just devastating to see that video of the explosion, George. The destruction of the building there, pretty evident. So just how bad is the damage though to the surrounding area? Yeah, we were told by officials that this blast was so powerful that the building next to it actually moved around four feet from its foundation. And three wow. buildings around the explosion site have now been condemned. You can oh, rest man. assured that now that they are no, no longer looking for bodies in this rubble, they're going to go in there and be a lot more methodical around the blast zone to see if what other buildings uh, may be structurally... I almost hate to say this, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to take those that building, they're going to clean it up, 
I mean, everything's gone in the buildings around it, and they're probably going to put condominiums or something there now. Down as a result of this blast. This is going to be a massive cleanup effort, as you can see from some of the images and some of the video that you're seeing. So uh, this is going to be a, a very lengthy investigation, Stephen. And George, what about the community? How are they responding? You mentioned how uh, a big part this factory was for them. It's been there since the 40s. What are they saying? Yeah, you can imagine the people in this community are just devastated. Some telling our affiliate that they knew some of the people that worked in that factory and they're still waiting to get confirmation who the victims might be because we do want to note that at this point officials have not released the identities of the people that were working inside at the time of this explosion. Uh, we do have uh, an interview with, with a person who can sort of really echo the sentiment of what this community is feeling right now. Take a listen. We are such a small, tight-knit community, and it was it was so humbling to see everybody come together, even just neighbors coming together for neighbors. That's where all the Easter candy is made, and um, I was born and raised here, so this has been part of our family and uh, all the residents around here for many, many, many years. So what's next? Well, right now... One of my son's favorite Easter candies is Bunny Big Ears. I'll have to see if it was made in this plant. Now things again have transitioned from search and recovery to just clean up. The big question, what led to this catastrophe? Oh, I want Guys. some Bunny Big Ears. Big question indeed. Just so shocking. George. So here's what's going on now. It is reported that they ignored warnings of a gas leak. And they bear responsibility for a subsequent explosion that killed seven workers and injured several others. According to the lawsuit filed today, everybody, the family of Judith Judy Lopez Morin, a 55-year-old mother of three, filed what their lawyers call the first wrongful death suit against R.M. Palmer Company after the March 24th blast in West Reading. Workers smelled gas that day and notified Palmer but the 75-year-old family-owned company did nothing. The gas leak of the factory and the horrific explosion it caused was foreseeable, predictable, and preventable, the suit said. Tragically, Judith Lopez Morin's death and suffering were preventable. The lawsuit filed in Philadelphia Court of Common Pleas also names gas utility UGL. Messages were sent to Palmer and UGI seeking comment, but none were given. Authorities are still investigating the cause of the explosion, which leveled a building in the factory complex and damaged several other buildings in West Reading, a small town 60 miles northwest of Philadelphia. We're going to continue to cover that story. Yes, we are. All right. I'm going to go through my notes one more time. And I believe we are at the end of Midnight Radio. I will do some new shorts. May the shorts be with you. As soon as I get new shorts to do. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Did I miss phone calls? Nope, I didn't miss any phone calls because no one called in. How about that? I'd like to thank you all for, for, I was going to say calling. Thank you all for showing up tonight. I appreciate it very much. I'd like to thank you so much. I appreciate spending this time with you. 
Remember, this show is filmed in front of a live YouTube audience. If you would like to be here live, it's also you're hearing me live on the radio. I'd like to thank you and say hello to our new listeners. We have a lot of contests coming up. We have a lot of interviews coming up. Um, I'm going to do a contest for a a uh, radio. I'm going to do a contest for a online radio player from C Crane. So there'll be more information of that coming up just to figure out exactly how we're going to do it. But there's one we're going to give away. It's $100 value, but exactly how to do it. Oh, by the way, Midnight Radio has gone to a lot of different directories this week, C Crane being one of them. So if you are the owner of a C Crane online radio, then you can listen to Midnight Radio on there. Palmer does make bunny big ears. Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys very much. Until next time, I want to say all of my best. All of my best, guys.